dear God, uh, we just we come before you with uh, all kinds of different experiences in the political realm and in the civic realm and, and dealing with the authority of the state. And so today, God, as we look to your scriptures and hear your voice as it addresses this idea of government authorities, we ask that you would grow our faith. Help us to trust in you with the world that we experience every single day uh, based on the encouragement that you give us in this word. You're a God that pulls no punches. You're a God that speaks into our everyday lives, and we're grateful for that. And so as we address this subject, God, we ask that you go before us in our conversation and just encourage and lift us up, lift us up in the name of Jesus. And it's in his name we pray, amen and amen. Well, as has also been said, we've been working on a series where we're literally getting into the book of Romans, which has so much teaching in it in regards to the Christian life and what the Christian life is all about. We decided to take the entire summer season, the end of last school year, and the entire summer season to kind of get in and tear it apart and chew on some of those really juicy morsels of scripture that we've been reading about. And what I'd like to do is connect us with last week as we were dwelling on Romans chapter 12 a little bit. I want to just refresh your memory a little bit with this scripture. I'll just read it. The scripture says, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. Now, this gets us into the civic realm. This is the eyes of everyone, not only Christ followers, uh, but also those who don't follow Jesus, those in the public realm, everyone around us. And the scripture says in, very, in a very encouraging way, it says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. And I want you to take this as a special word of encouragement as we start into this message, the idea that God's got this in your life. Whatever it might be, if you find contention and discord, if you find adversity, if you find that you're in trouble with people, if you find that your relationships are struggling, or stuff's going on around you that is difficult, you can walk into that situation or continue walking in that situation with the underlying idea that you are at peace with God. And that sets the tone and starts a baseline in your life to build off the rest of your life. It starts a baseline that you build the rest of the way you interact with your world. If you can at the very least say, I've got peace in my heart because I've got peace with God then it helps you as you're learning how to deal with adverse situations around you. Now, having said that, that's a very personal way to interact with your world. But what about the bigger picture? What about the stuff that God has put in place around you, like the authorities, like the police department, like the county government, like the federal government, like the state government? all the governments that around us affect our lives every day. When I heard the word taxes and paying your taxes read out of the Bible, I almost felt the go across the room. Like, why is God talking about my taxes? We just got through tax season and we're talking about this again, but in church, yes, God wants us to pay our taxes, but why? 
Well, the reason is because God has established in your life and mine two kingdoms. There's not just one kingdom that we're a part of. There are two. And those two kingdoms are what we're going to call the temporal kingdom or a kingdom that is bound in time and a spiritual kingdom, a kingdom that is eternal. And what we're going to do today is just take a look at a snapshot of what those two kingdoms look like. And as you find them described in the scriptures, the temporal kingdom is categorized in very similar ways to the spiritual kingdom, but with some very key differences. First of all, God will talk about in just a couple of minutes as we re-examine the scripture, he'll talk about the idea that when there's a ruler in place in the civic realm, a state ruler, a county ruler, or a federal ruler, someone who's in charge or has authority over us, that that person is supposed to be sort of a representative of God. And we'll get into the reasons why in a little bit. And I know you're kind of filing through politicians in your mind right now and asking the question, wow, is that really true? Is that politician a representative of God in my life? Doesn't feel like that at times, does it? But this idea of the temporal kingdom was first begun by Adam and Eve, mainly because every single living person who's ever been born is a part of the temporal kingdom. People are born into time. And so they're part of this temporal kingdom here on earth by default. Power in the temporal kingdom is power of the sword. If for some strange reason, a group of people decided to rise up and take over the government, what would happen? The government would suppress that rebellion, would either send the police or the National Guard or something like the army or the Marines if it got really, really difficult. The power of the sword or the power of the weapon is the power of the temporal kingdom. And whoever has control of those weapons has control of the temporal kingdom. The kingdom is typically governed by wisdom, logic, and compromise. It's okay for you to go ahead and laugh at this because this is how our government is supposed to act, supposed to act with wisdom and temperance and compromise with each other. Even though it doesn't seem that way in a lot of cases, and in most cases, I'd even say, that is typically true. That is why we have the Congress, so people can bring issues to the floor and argue about them and ultimately compromise and come up with some sort of a solution. But any appeals to the kingdom, as people come to the kingdom and ask for things, the rule of answering that appeal is by law. So if you approach the temporal kingdom and ask for something to be different, then the temporal kingdom responds to you as, well, this is legal or not legal. This is precedent or not precedent. There is a rule of law that governs decision-making. The temporal kingdom uh, finds its fruition in vocations. It grows and it establishes itself as you and I grow up as students and figure out what it is we're gonna do with our lives. We may be homemakers. We may be accountants. We may be lawyers. We may work a trade. We may drive a truck. We may build homes. Whatever those vocations are, those vocations produce income, and from that income, taxes are taken. But the idea of the kingdom, the backbone of the kingdom, takes place on what you and I do for a living, does it not? If we didn't pay taxes, there wouldn't be a government, funded government, would there? And then, of course, as we said before, everyone who is born is born into this kingdom. There's no special qualification. Basically, you have a pulse, and you're a part of the temporal kingdom. 
The membership of the kingdom is all members of society, dovetailing on the idea that we're all born into it. And the grace that's established in the temporal kingdom is a common grace. It's a common decency that is shared amongst us, but it's governed by what? It's governed by the law. So if I do something to you that is unlawful, then I can be caught for that and ultimately punished for that. Does this make sense so far? This is how the temporal kingdom works. But now let's flip the script a little bit and take a look at the spiritual kingdom. Here's how these ideas are manifested in the spiritual world. Jesus is the ruler of the spiritual world. We'll dig into this a little bit more in a second. The uh, spiritual world was instituted by the Great Commission. You may remember the Great Commission is the idea that Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and do what? Make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Power in the spiritual kingdom is derived from what we call the office of the keys. This is where we're able to say to you, if you trust in Jesus and you confess your sins one to another, then God will forgive your sins in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, his son, your sins are forgiven. That's called the office of the keys, where we get to speak with God's authority and say back to you, trusting in Jesus means your sins are forgiven and they're wiped away as far as the east is from the west. And on that note, the spiritual kingdom is governed by the word of God. So when we want to know what God is thinking and what God is motivated by and how God is manifest in the world, where do we look? We look in the Bible. The word of God is our government in the spiritual kingdom. Appeals to God are appealed through the authority of Jesus. So when we want to know how to behave in God's kingdom, we simply look at Jesus, not at ourselves. We don't bear the weight of perfection. Who is it that's perfect? God is. And we look at Jesus to see how to live our lives and how to navigate through this life. Word and sacrament, sharing the word through preaching and teaching and then baptizing and then celebrating communion as a sacrament is what nurtures us and grows our faith. That's why we meet here every week to do those things. You come into the kingdom of God by being baptized and membership is all those who trust in Jesus. It is not those who have said, I am a Christian and I signed a card to become a member of a church. It is literally those who have trusted in Jesus as Lord and Savior and who gather together with others who do the same thing. That's membership in God's kingdom. And then grace is distributed in a couple of ways. One, we share the truth and the fact that Jesus died on the cross for you and me. And then he rose again from the grave to a brand new life for you and me. And so that changes our life. It changes the course of our life and the steps we take as we walk through our life. Now, if you were to compare these side by side, you would see some pretty key differences in who governs these two kingdoms and how power is derived in these kingdoms and who can be members of these kingdoms. The power is that the Spirit of God works in you and me to keep people in the temporal kingdom while grafting them into the spiritual kingdom. So on any given day, 
you and I can be, and in fact were created to be, members of two kingdoms until the end of the world. We don't leave the temporal kingdom to become a member of the kingdom of God, do we? When we start to follow Jesus and trust in him, we get up the next day and go to work. And in April, we pay our taxes just like everybody else does. We are members of two kingdoms. And so when the apostle Paul is talking about this idea in Romans chapter 13, he is setting behind this idea an understanding that there are two kingdoms in this world. And he wants to comfort us and instruct us. Here's why the world works the way it does. And here's how God had his hand in that. So look at chapter 13, verses 1 through 3. These are our focus verses for the weekend. The scripture says, let everyone. Who is everyone, the spiritual kingdom or the temporal kingdom? It is the temporal kingdom, right? But the spiritual kingdom is drawn out of the temporal kingdom while we're still here on earth. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities for there is no authority except which God has established. Now let's stop here for just a second. Do you mean God established the city government, the county government, the state government, and the federal government in the United States of America? Well, by default, Technically, what he did is he established authority. He established the idea that there are going to be people who are going to rule over us in the temporal kingdom. And there's a purpose in this. Now, maybe he ordains certain kingdoms to behave certain ways or not. We're not really totally sure on that part. But what we do know is that God has established governmental authority for a reason. And here's where it gets into it a little bit. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God, against what God has instituted. We'll go a little bit further into the idea of judgment and how that is brought. But for now, I want you to think about it this way. Most of us are born with hearing. If you can hear well from both ears, that is a gift of God, isn't it? Some of us are not born with good hearing. Some of us are born with some form of deafness. Those of us who are born with normal hearing uh, understand, especially in the church, that that is a gift. That's a gift from God. In the same way, when we're born with the ability to see something and see well, that's a gift from God. And if we can't see well, that means we're what? We're blind, right? And many of us are born with the ability to think. Uh, thinking clearly is a gift from God because some of us are born without the ability to think clearly. Sometimes when we age, we lose the ability to think clearly and we experience what that's like. But if we can see and hear and think clearly, we understand and acknowledge that that's a gift from God. But what happens with our use of seeing and hearing and thinking? See, we can receive a gift from God and choose how to use that gift. We can use what we hear in a way that doesn't work with God and his kingdom. We can use what we see in a way that doesn't work with God and his kingdom. We can use our thoughts in a way that works against God's kingdom. And on the same token, on the flip side, we can use our hearing and our sight and our thinking ability in God's kingdom and for God's kingdom, can't we? The idea that God gave us those things 
doesn't determine how we use them. We have a choice. And the same is true with governments and with authority. When someone is placed in power or elected into power, those people have a choice as to how they're going to use their, their office, whether they assume it by violent power or they're elected into it. Every official has a choice as to how he or she will use government power. It's the same as the gifts that we receive from God in our sight, in our hearing, in our senses. Think of the authority that government has in that way. Think of Congress in that way. How many times has someone been elected to Congress on a certain platform and then changed and adopted a different platform that they were elected on? And what does their electorate do? Their electorate typically will not let them be elected again, right? But if they follow through on their elected promises, then in often, in certain circumstances and situations, they might be elected again. So that's how Congress works. We elect people based on certain promises and on certain platforms, but they choose as to whether or not they will use their governmental authority for good or for evil. There is a choice there all along the way. But what I want you to hear from this and understand very clearly is that God has a purpose for this idea and creates a, a distinction between these two different types of kingdoms for a reason. The reason is to grow our faith. Here's what that looks like. When Jesus is standing in front of Pontius Pilate, Pilate is basically saying to Jesus in these words, do you refuse to speak to me? Don't you realize I have the power, the governmental authority, either to free you or to crucify you? How does Jesus answer? He says, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from who? From above, which means God the Father. That power was granted by God from the beginning. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin, says Jesus. And Jesus is referring to the spiritual kingdom here, isn't he? In another place in that scripture, in that same passage there, he says, my kingdom is not what? Of this world. He's establishing this two separate kingdoms for a reason. And the reason is because God is working in his spiritual kingdom while we are in the midst of the temporal kingdom. The purposes behind that are to grow our faith and to give us a place where the kingdom of God can grow from and grow through. Let's take a look at a little bit further. Verse two says, consequently, whoever rebels against the authority of the government is rebelling against what God has instituted. For those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. So when you break the law in the civic world, in the temporal kingdom, if you're caught, right, then you could face the government authorities. But what God is saying here is that there's something underlying under the idea of following authority that's been instituted by God. If we fail to follow the authority that's been instituted by God, we could face consequences in this world. But there's an underlying heart issue behind that. When we understand that governmental authority, whether it's used for good or evil, proper or not, we understand that God's authority is what created human authority, temporal authority. 
And so it becomes a part of our worship of God to actually follow the government authorities that have been put in place over us. When we do that, the scripture says, uh, the government may commend you for that. It may look at you and say, good job for that. But if you fail to do that and you rebel against what God has put in place in terms of human authority, you could face judgment here in this world and there may be a question of your faith in the spiritual world. You see, God may ultimately hold you accountable for a faith that isn't there in you or for something in your heart that rebels against him as it's manifested in you breaking the law in the temporal kingdom. There may be an underlying heart issue as you live in the temporal kingdom that is keeping you from trusting in God and following how he has designed your life. This kind of effect, what this is, could produce a governmental judgment, a civic judgment that lands you in the slammer. You might have to stand before the judge and give an account for why you did what you did. Or if there's a deeper underlying issue that's spiritually based, like we're talking about, and you're rebelling against God and you're pushing God away, because you know he's established authority, you may have issues with God before his judgment seat at the end of time. The scripture says in Revelation 20, there's a vision that's cast there. It says that every living person on earth who has died will be brought before God's judgment seat and they will be judged. They will face the judgment of God in that time. There may be an issue in your heart that is more living on this level then on the civic level, where you'd go and face a civic judge. There may be issues in your life where if you're not trusting in God and you're not trusting in Jesus for the salvation of your sin, you'll face a judgment one day that is simply mirrored by the judgment that's rendered by a judge in his courtroom. This is why we have Jesus. Because Jesus is the one who stands before a righteous and holy God and takes the judgment for you and me. When he did that on the cross and then rose again from the grave, what it did is it wiped out all the judgment for our sin, past, present, and future, that we would ever be involved in. It took away the sin as far as the east is from the west, and it rendered us acquitted in God's spiritual kingdom. When we look at that cross and see Jesus there and understand that he rose from the grave that resulted in that, it means that we are no longer accountable for our sin. And what that does for you and me is it changes the heart in regards to following authority. Because what the gospel has said is you cannot save yourself. You need an authority in your life. You need someone who holds more authority than you in the spiritual kingdom to save you. And when you trust in that authority, what you're doing is you're subjecting yourself to a holy God and allowing him to do with you what he will. And when he does that, he changes your life and he makes you into a new creation. He changes your heart. And when he does that, he gives you the power and the ability and the will to choose to participate in a positive way with the civil and government authorities that you're subject to. You see, if we rebelled against a holy God and we had no desire to subject ourselves to his plan, 
namely Jesus, then there's no way in our hearts we can subject ourselves to any authority on earth, whether it's a boss or our parents or the government itself or the law of life and death where a doctor says to us, you need to do this or you're going to have a negative consequence. Having authority in our life is a gift from God. It works a purpose. It grows us in faith. And that includes, believe it or not, the government that oversees all the civic activity around you. Well, here's what the scripture says in regards to uh, balancing that life that you live in the civic realm. It says, rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right and you will be commended. See, government is supposed to have one of two functions. It's supposed to hold evil at bay. So it's supposed to punish those who do evil or do wrong in the, in the lives of others. And it's supposed to commend those who do right. But there's an even deeper issue at stake for us who call Jesus Lord. The idea is that we do things in the civic kingdom for the right reason. And that is because we're worshiping God by choosing to do the right thing. If we choose to do the right thing, we understand that it's the Holy Spirit giving us the power to make that choice. And when we do that, that is an act of worship. When we choose to do the right thing in the civic world, in the temporal kingdom, that is an act of worship because who is it we're worshiping when we make that choice? Our God. We know that Jesus has given us access to that authority and that he's taken over and changed our lives. When we choose to do the right thing, whether it's paying honor or respect or taxes, when we choose to do the right thing, what we are doing is worshiping God in and through that choice. Do you see the connection developing here? Does it inform the way you look at the government around you, whether you agree with your elected officials or not? Do you see the dynamic of authority as it's developing in God's kingdom? There's another place in scripture that says, doing right in the kingdom should not just be for the idea of avoiding punishment, but it should be because it's the right thing to do. And you and I understand and acknowledge that the reason for that is because we worship God and worshiping him means choosing the right thing to do. Because of Jesus, we have the power to do that. So Jesus sitting with his disciples and teaching them finds that they have moments of despair and doubt and they've lost hope, especially when Jesus talks about going to the cross for them and for all of us. And what he assures them is a promise. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled in those moments. You believe in God, believe also in me, in Jesus. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? See, one day the spiritual kingdom will return with Jesus on the clouds. There will be no more civil government. There will be no more Congress. There will be no more taxes. And yes, you can smile and even clap for that if you want. There will come a day when there is no tear from any eye. 
because the spiritual kingdom will rule all. And in those days, we will find a place with God in eternity. That is not an if, my friends, that is a when. It's not a hope that you hope will happen. It is a hope that is a sure thing. And when you let that permeate your heart, it changes the way you see the whole world. Your entire worldview changes. And especially and through your everyday interaction with people who were created to be a part of the civic kingdom. So my hope is in this, as we close this message, that it has been difficult for you and that it has been challenging for you and it has been comforting for you so that you can see that God is in charge of everything. He is in control and he gives us the blessing of human authority to understand the way authority works and to receive the provision of God. And when times come when governments abuse us or when people abuse us or when someone hurts us and government fails to respond properly and appropriately, we know that there will come a day when God will make all things right. Sometimes he makes them right here in the civic kingdom, in the temporal kingdom. But in any and all cases, we have peace no matter what comes. If you believe that, say amen. 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 Would you pray with me? God, thank you so much for your peace and your power. Thank you so much for giving us a chance to understand authority. Even as young as we are when we go into preschool and we have a preschool teacher or a childcare person that takes care of us, from the very beginning, we understand that there are authorities placed there and that you have created the idea of authority. God, we ask that you come and work faith in our lives as we interact with those authorities, be it the governments or a boss or someone that we are subject to and give account to in this life. Help us to understand that no matter what the structure of government is around us, that we are at peace with you and therefore we can be at peace in the world, even if we're not at peace with the world at the moment. God, take and grow faith in us. Grow faith in us that can withstand the test of time in the temporal kingdom because, not that we have to earn your good graces, but because Jesus has earned them for us. All we merely do is trust in him. See him on the cross. See him out of the grave, walking amongst the Romans, healing people, even Romans, as he walks. God, you are the one who is over and above all. We love you. We subject ourselves to your power and your supremacy and your sovereignty. And we know that you lift us up in that humility through Jesus. Come and be with us now, God, as we sing and as we reflect on you and your power and truth. Work that faith in us now. In your name we pray, and together we say, amen and amen.